Welcome to the show. Paul George here. Going crazy in the studio with Adam Conk. How you doing today, man? So good. So good. So we have had a little break. Obviously, it's been super crazy. You know, the well, holidays. you've had a big, big, big event in your life. Coming up, but uh, I have a big reveal today. Oh my gosh. You're yeah. going to reveal yourself. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, we have a new addition to our family. And not like a pet. Not like a pet. Like a child. <laughs> like a, a real human. Congratulations, man. A baby. A baby girl. Congrats. Adeline Lucia George. Addie Lou or addition. Addie Lou. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, anyway, life's Congrats. nuts. I, uh, I'm i not getting any sleep, so if I'm completely delirious today. And you are. I could tell already. Just slap me. There's not enough caffeine to pump into my veins right now. <laughs> Seriously. You didn't warn me on this. Now, you're a little younger, so you're, I think your energy level is probably a little bit better. You can handle young kids. You have six kids. And I, I know, you know, you go through those non-sleep modes, you know, obviously. But I, our youngest is 10. Yeah. It's quite different. Not anymore, but... That's our oldest. We haven't had an infant in 10 years. I haven't slept in 10 years. Well... No, that makes sense. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, like those military people that are trained to just be sleep deprived all the time. That's yeah. been my life. You've had a ten year break from that. Yeah. And now you're back in the game. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I'm. We're super blessed, but the sleep thing is just kind of <laughs> like been like a a right hook. <laughs> it's just like boom. Sweet to the next kid. So anyway, we have, we have a. A nice Christmas present. Yeah, that's good. congratulations, man. That's awesome. You know, most people kind of just um, go into Advent, you know, just kind of like I don't really know. We went to Advent hard to the paint. <laughs> I you, got a penance. You know what we're gonna do for Advent? <laughs> we're gonna have a baby. We're gonna have a baby. That's, that's awesome. what, that what we're gonna do. So my wife's amazing. They're doing great. So anyway, you have a big reveal. What? Yeah, yeah. You're taking all your kids except your infant to see. That's true. Today is the day. Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Yes. Yeah. This is a big deal. Well, what I did was um, trying to be the cool dad. Well, just trying to bond with my kids. A few months ago, I was... Yeah, don't use cool. I mentioned... I'm not a... I, I've but never you, tried to be cool, and it shows. But this um, is where you're cool. You're just... You're, you are who you are. Well, you know, they but heard you, about Star Wars. Okay. And they said, what's Star Wars? I said, well, it's a movie, or actually a bunch of movies. So I said, you know what? Let's watch every single movie. We'll do it every Friday night for yeah. like three months with some breaks before the new movie comes out. Then we'll go see the new movie. And it's been the best thing, man. We've been looking forward each Friday night to watch a new movie. They talk about the stories and everything. And then now we're going to see the new one today. And they're fired up. It's like, it's kind of like Christmas as far as the level of excitement. Yeah, I'm going to see it next week with my son. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to talk about some meaning, but but here's what I like about Star Wars. Okay, so um, it's one of those you know movie series that's timeless. Mm -hmm. it, it's cross generational, mm -hmm. and it's not one of those quote unquote sci-fi series or films where you have to be a sci-fi nerd to like it or get it. It kind of what's even, a flux capacitor? Yeah, it kind of it kind of <laughs> crosses like like uh, people's you know, likes and personalities, you know, so you have your super Star Wars people who like know every detail and are super nerdy about it and will dress up to go see the film. And then you just got normal folks who have followed the story and, and will go see it and like it and, and everything in between. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can look up on the internet how a lightsaber works, but they don't waste time on film showing you. So, you know, if you're not into that kind of stuff, yeah. you can still enjoy the movie. And there's a lot of great meaning in the film. You Heck know, yeah. Obviously, there's good and evil, but there's a lot of, um, I, I guess you could say, uh, Christ virtue mm -hmm. um, hidden in the films. I don't know if it's purposeful. I need to look that up more. You might know a little bit more about that, but um, there, there's a lot of good meaning to pull out. And particularly as you're taking your family, yep. you know that it's not going to be a film that's like super, you know, inundated with like sex right. or a lot of, a lot of, you know, cursing. It, it's just, it's a movie you could take your family and yeah, there's some violence, but um, there's so many meanings to pull out of. And when I go see a movie like that with my kids, and particularly as my kids get older, we go to lunch after, we coffee, and we're like, what'd you think? Like, mm -hmm. what about this meaning? Like, I didn't even think, I didn't even know that had meaning. And you just kind of start talking about it, which is kind of cool uh, when you begin to. Yeah. And I mean, that's the best that. use of film is to build relationships through the film. I mean, it's really not, I think one of the most tragic aspects of young adulthood today in our society is the binge watching phenomenon Yeah, where you just sit in your room, you watch 13 episodes of something and then you never talk to anybody about it. Right. That's, that's awful. I mean, the whole point of these things, good film is that it builds community, builds family, builds relationships. That's a great use for it. Well, I think with online stuff, media, particularly even adults are binge watching. I mean, even with radio or podcasts, people will, will binge listen to podcasts and um, they, they tell me that about the show and, I kind of do the same a little bit too with some of the podcasts I listen to. And so the, the whole binge thing is, is sort of a, a, a new way now. Mm -hmm. uh, but I get what you're saying is that we don't talk to people about what we're hearing. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be intentional. I do find a lot with young people or young adults, they'll binge watch, but they, f they find other people who are watching the same series and then yep. they'll end up talking about it. Well, have Absolutely. You, you know, I'm watching The Crown or I'm watching, you know, this and ha have you you know, where are you in it and where, what have you seen? And, and so they, they don't, they talk about it. Like, I don't know, like in, like in phases, of yeah. it, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I think that's good. And I think as Catholics, we get nervous about this because it's like, well, they should be talking about the faith, right? Not the crown or not whatever. But the reality is, I mean, like, let's take Star Wars, for example, you have the creators of Star Wars that have this idea. Let's kind of think, about the whole cosmos, the whole universe, mm -hmm. and the deepest meaning behind it. And they come up with this battle between good and evil that is kind of mysterious and vague. I mean, there's so much human about that that mm -hmm. we can resonate with that, um, you know, God is everywhere and truth is everywhere. And as cliche as this sounds, if you can use any element, whether it's Star Wars or anything, to get at a truth that is human, mm -hmm. then the faith wins 100% of the time. It always does. Truth will always rise to the top, and we can we can use that to catapult in, into something uh, that has has deeper meaning. You know, here, here's what I love, and I'll, and I'll kind of I won't harp on this too much with, with Star Wars because I want to talk about it after we see it. Okay, <laughs> uh, but but in all the past films, um, and I and I know friends who know every little detail about everything. And that's not me. That's not my personality, nor am I a sci-fi kind of geeky Except with sports. person. But I love meaning. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, yeah, I can tell you formations and plays, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but I love meaning. I love meaning and purpose. And even in sports, I love meaning. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it means a lot to me to find meaning in things, right? So, um, But here's one of the, the things that I pull out of every one of them. All, all the, you know, you know whatever they're going to be, eight now, then there'll be nine, is... Uh, the art of discipleship. 
Yeah, you're right. And mentorship in those films. Like, you know, a Jedi mentors a Jedi who mentors a Jedi who mentors a Jedi. And and that's something that's lost in our culture. And I, and I hope that people pull that out of the film, but begin to be challenged in their own life. Like, who are you mentoring? Who are you pouring into? Not only as a parent, right? Like, you're taking your kids, not, not only to see the film because you want to see it and your kids want to see it, but like you said, like you're trying to, you're trying to build this relationship with your kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, in a sense, like you're you're a Jedi pouring into these little <laughs> Jedi's, man. Like that's that's what being a parent is. It's it's not just teaching them right from wrong. It's it's teaching them about life, so that when they're out of your house, they know how to live life uh, the uh, the way the Jedi lives life, you know. Yeah. Um, and they can handle the forces of evil and all these things that come out and. It's difficult, but that lost art, I think, is something that we need to reclaim. Man, it's so true because, you know, people today, when you turn 18, you're expected to be the CEO of something. Right. Right? Yeah, rich. I've made it. I'm 18. Yep, yep. (laughs) You need to be uh, a web star, you know, online web personality making millions of dollars. Yeah, but the reality is all of those successful people, if they're successful for more than five minutes, have mentors in their life. Yeah. 99.9% 99.9% of them. Well, it, if they're sustainable. Right. Uh, because, you know, if you don't have mentorship, you'll fall apart. You'll collapse. Because I think there's this, you know, idealistic view that, that uh, you know, money will solve everything and life is easy. And the reality is you talk to anyone, anyone, they'll all admit that life's difficult. And they, mm-hmm. they, they no matter how successful they are or how many, uh, you know, how much they've done or made or whatever, Everyone will tell you they've gone through rough patches and life is difficult and money doesn't solve those issues. So here's what we're getting at is that if you don't have that mentorship in place, people to surround yourself with, people to help you through life, you'll fall apart, you'll collapse. And you see it all the time in Hollywood and Capitol Hill and the sports figures and all these people who are famous. You're like, they have everything and yet they just their life just fell apart. Yeah, and the most tragic example is the faith, right? We're living in a crisis of faith that I don't think would take seriously enough, where 80% of Catholics are not slamming their Catholicism. Like, they're not living it in a way that um, models the saints and the examples that we have. And the the main reason is they don't have any other vision of Catholicism than the one they're living. And mentors give us that vision that's bigger than what yep. we can see, that's more experienced than what we can see. And I think for most Catholics, it really is that simple. Just yeah. to have somebody in their life who has a bigger vision of Catholicism than they have. Yeah, I think, you know, so much of, of what we look at in faith and the church is we just want to open up the, the the top of someone's head, their skull, and just insert information. And just let's just pour this information in, and they'll just live the faith. And here's the reality, you guys. Like, everybody needs to understand this, um, because a lot of times we live in this little small utopia of those people who are maybe practicing Catholics and Christians is 75% of Catholics don't go to church. mm that's there you go. Yeah. Like so that's 3 fourths. That's 3 fourths <laughs> of Catholics do not go to church. Uh, so like if we're just sitting around thinking, well, you know, hopefully they'll get it one day, osmosis or, you know, they just need to google it and look online or read a catechism like no, they need people like us, all of us to to reach out and mentor and bring people up. It starts in our families with our kids and our wives and our husbands, but it extends into the people we work with or family members, people who are younger than us that we can mentor and walk into the face. So anyway, uh, enjoy the film, man. Yeah. We're going to reach well, back if, and we're going to talk if about Obi-Wan it. Obi-Wan Kenobi is any example, mentor ain't easy. Mentor 
It ain't easy to be a mentor. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Anyway, I'm excited about this show uh, today. And uh, yeah, it's good to be with you, man. We'll be right back. It's Paul George Show. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Back to the show. Great to be with you. Excited about our guest today, a uh, recurring guest who we talk to often, uh, Brad Hahn, Phoenix, Arizona. Brad, how are you doing today? Doing great, Paul. Congratulations on your new baby as well. I know, right? It's kind of crazy over here, uh, which, which, by the way, as we add a new human to our family, uh, we need more health yeah. insurance, <laughs> which is why I'm calling yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, we'll get you an application to fill out, so you'll be good. <laughs> Dude, man, look, I was talking, uh, I, there's probably not a day, uh, at least a week, that I don't go by where I, I don't end up somehow in a conversation with someone or family about the cost of health insurance. And look, I'm talking about whether it be a young family, I'm talking about, so this past week, I had uh, a conversation with uh, two retired people. Uh, I had a conversation with a with a single young adult, and then I had a conversation with a married couple, all around the cost of health insurance. That all happened in one week. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing. It's uh, uh, puzzling to me. And I'm in D.C. right now, Paul, and I met with uh, one of Trump's key uh, political advisors who runs his pack last night for dinner. And I said, you guys don't have a clue how to solve this healthcare crisis right now. So that comment kind of got his attention. <laughs> he says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, first of all, uh, the number one reason people join Solidarity is to, to protect their conscience. I said, it's shameful that I have to come here and navigate the bureaucratic legal mess that you've created in healthcare. So my, my friends, my colleagues, the elder faithful uh, are not forced to violate their, the Catholic teaching and violate their conscience, number one. But number two is we have a third-party payer system in this country that's broken. The consumer is so detached from the payment of medical care in this country, and that's how you get out-of-control costs. And then I gave him an example. I said, our members of Solidarity have skin in the game. They help us negotiate fair and reasonable prices with their providers. And I said, uh, and I'll give you an example. We have $3.2 million worth of medical bills that were submitted. Uh, by our members to Solidarity HealthShare this last year, and we got a 57% discount on those medical bills. Wow. And, and he looked at me, and I said, I said, this is outrageous that these doctors, providers are overbilling to see what sticks. It's hurting the middle class. And I said, you guys got to get more transparency um, in these pricing. You have to get more in the negotiation side. You have to empower to get the consumer more involved. Otherwise, this country is going down. I said, because we cannot afford to have the government bail out these insurance companies again like they did on the Affordable Care Act, because the next time we go to single-payer system, there is no way we're going to be able to dig out of that debt. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is across the board. I mean, I think all people are feeling this 
uh, whether, you know, someone's a young adult who's like, yeah, I need health insurance, whether it's a family or whether it's people who are now entering into the retirement and they're trying to having to supplement what they get through, um, you know, Medicare or whatever the case may be. I'm learning a lot about this because of my relationship with you guys. But a lot of times the conversation uh, with me when people were talking to me about it is uh, the skyrocketing of costs, which is what you're saying. Uh, you know, you guys take out the middleman. The cost is so high with health insurance. Uh, but when I begin to talk to them about why it's so high, it begins to prick their conscience. And then their conscience comes into the play. And then they start thinking, oh, so this is all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if we get over the hurdle fall on the conscience protection, and let's say there's a fiat that comes down from the federal government saying no individual has to uh, violate their conscience and pay for amoral things in the health care, that's the first hurdle we get over. But the second hurdle is this amoral payer system that we have in this country that's depressing the middle class. Yes. And I said, so there's two moral objections I have there under, under Catholic social teaching as well. And I'll give you a classic example. We had a member uh, who's a member now calling from Pennsylvania. He was paying um, his, his, his monthly premium for his family is going from $1,600 a month to $2,400 a month under yep. an Affordable Care Act plan yep. with a $14,000 deductible. And could you imagine for a middle-class family trying to pay $42,800 in medical expenses before insurance even kicks in? No, I can't imagine. Yeah, it's, un it's unconscionable. And now on Solidarity, his family's paying $449 per month with an annual out-of-pocket cost of $1,500. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so you're in D.C. I'm talking to Brad Hahn, SolidarityHealthShare.org. Uh, you can uh, get on their website, find out all the information that, that we're talking about. You can even talk to someone, email, get all the information. But anyway, Brad, uh, you and I talk often. There's constant you know, moving and shaking in, in regards to um, this, this area. What's, what's the latest? What are you doing in D.C., and what's, what's happening? Yeah, the, the big thing that's happening in healthcare reform right now is the uh, – the individual mandate, is, is, it looks like it's going to be repealed from when I was talking to some senators and congressmen here this week. But if you look at it, is the, uh, you talk about repeal, uh, and now remember, the individual mandate is the mandate that forces individuals to purchase insurance. Then the contraception mandate forces us um, to have uh, contraception, abortion included, and gender reassignment surgeries in our health insurance. So they're looking to repeal the, uh, the individual mandate starting in 2019 for a couple of years and then it comes back. So to me, Paul, that's not a true repeal of the mandate. They're just reducing the fine to zero for a couple of years and then it comes back. And so to me, is <clears throat> I, was, I was challenging these senators and congressmen, like you guys need to have some permanent overhaul repeal of this thing, not just a temporary solution that looks good in the press. Hmm. That's, um, that's crazy. Okay, so you, we were talking a little bit off air about uh, some conversations you've even having within the church. Um, yeah. How does that work with you, and, and, and what's, what's the church's role in all this, and wh what are you hearing? Well, if you look at it, um, I look at, at my church. Um, my church is responsible for uh, forming the consciences of faithful Catholics and all Christians throughout the world, number one. And their second function is to uh, provide the sacraments to us so we can have the strength, you know, the spiritual strength to continue to fight for the kingdom of God. That's the function and role. And out here in D.C. with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, their main focus has been on uh, 
conscious protection, which they've done a pretty uh, fair job doing to protect institutions and to protect the big businesses. But the individual, the individuals in the pew that have to buy the Affordable Care Act plans or looking in the individual marketplace for, for health insurance, they're often ignored uh, in policy discussions within church circles. And so I'm challenging um, the lay people here um, to be a part of solidarity. If you're not even a member of solidarity, make contributions and pray this for solidarity for to succeed because we're trying to fight for conscious protection and the rights of the working poor and the middle class, the ones that don't have a voice right now in the church. Yeah, and, and so it's up to us lay it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised and shocked by the conversations I'm having with um, retired people. So say people who are maybe, you know, in their 60s, they're, they're becoming retired or in their 70s. They obviously need health insurance. So it's this generation that's had this certain model of health care their whole life. And now they're entering into retirement and they're realizing how expensive healthcare is. But here's a conversation that's happened with me, and maybe you can shoot a few holes into this for me, is there, when I present solidarity and say, here's a great alternative, not only alternative, but like the, probably the best thing that you should do. They look at me as an older generation. They say, I, it, it, is that real healthcare? You know, because they're so used to a yeah. certain type of healthcare. What would you say to that? Well, it's, uh, I would say that's the current model that everybody's been indoctrinated and inculcated on, on how to pay medical expenses through insurance in this country. It's an outdated method. You know, it's a, it's a method that's failing society, failing individuals, you know, not only on the conscious issues, but the rising costs. So now let's return to the true teaching of the Catholic Church. Okay. Let's follow the principles of the common good, subsidiarity, solidarity. Let's return to those early Christian communities where like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ came together and bared one another burdens for Jesus Christ, not only on the spiritual side, but also on the financial side by forming these communities. Okay. And so that's how we get true health care reform in this country, is by communities of like-minded believers coming together and taking charge of their health care and making health insurance irrelevant in their lives. So that's does... the argument I'm making. Is Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I'm following along with you, and I think people are as well. I'm talking to Brad Hahn, SolidarityHealthShare.org. Uh, okay, so how does the model work, though, within a broken system, I guess you could say? So how does solidarity enter into this broken system that we have in our country? Uh, it's inflated cost. Um, it doesn't protect our conscience. How does solidarity come in and say, you know, this is, this is the best method and best way uh, for healthcare today for Christians, for Catholics? Yeah, well, what happens on the, on the conscience side is since we're a health-sharing ministry, we get to write our member guidelines. And okay. our member guidelines talk about what is shareable and what's not shareable among our membership. Okay. And so with that is uh, we put language in there that um, everything that's in there is faithful to the teaching of the church. So you never have to worry about paying for things we find morally objectionable. So that's an exemption carved out in the Affordable Care Act for us. And our members are exempt from the fine. Of, of, and so we're considered credible coverage under the Affordable Care Act. That's number one. Uh, number two is we're directly penetrating this whole third-party payer system by having our members actively engage and be aware of what medical expenses are in this country. And I'll give you an example. So um, I went, I had um, bronchitis in July, and I went to the ER, and I used the urgent care, and they, they wanted to give me like four treatment options all at once. And I was like, what's wrong with the first one? And they said, well, the first one will probably work, but just in case, we're going to you know, sell you the other three as well. And I said, well, what's the cost of those other three? Oh, this one's $150 for this, you know, $200 for this. I'm like, 
No. You know, let's start with treatment number one. If that doesn't work, but you think it will, then we'll go to the other treatment option. You know, just by being aware of like that and taking control of the decisions, you know, we saved, um, you know, a few hundred dollars for Solidarity HealthShare. Um, the other thing is, is how we get in and negotiate fair and reasonable prices. So kind of the standard in the industry right now is kind of what Medicare reimbursement rates are. So our goal is to reimburse um, providers on an average of about 150 to 200 percent above Medicare reimbursement rates. And so that's what we're countering with. And so when we get a bill submitted to Solidarity, we vet it for that local area because Medicare rates are different throughout different areas of the country to see what a fair and reasonable price is based on cash pay and also reference-based pricing on Medicare. That's how we're able to penetrate this because um, we don't play the game where uh, providers just overbill to see what sticks. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, it's, it's, it's so crazy. Um... All right, so so uh, with the conscience in, you know, I was reading. I, it's kind of interesting. I'm talking to you because uh, I was reading it recently. Uh, Pope Francis made a, a statement, and of course, you know, he didn't make up the statement, and it was kind of in the context of um, a statement within sort of his meeting with other cardinals, and it, he was reminding everyone that uh, the conscience. I don't know exactly what he said. I'm going to have to find it. But he basically said the conscience is is like the, one of the most important, or if not the most important thing that the human has. Uh, does that ring a bell? Um, it does, but I think this, this, use, this term of the use of conscience, I think uh, the Holy Father uh, mis, misapplies it with his lack of theological understanding of that. Because uh, conscience, and he's been said in many times, and especially you see this in uh, Amoris Leticia, that conscience is the primary source of truth, basically, because the conscience gets to decide what's right or wrong. And that's not what the teaching of the church says. You know, the teaching of the church very clearly says that we have to have a well-formed conscience right. according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And that's the difference there. And so we have to make sure our conscience is informed with the truth of Jesus Christ and the teachings of the Catholic Church. And so, that's, and so there's some basic natural moral law principles that are inviolable, you know, and one of them is, is, you know, once you get a divorce, you know, you cannot remarry without an annulment. That's pretty clear in the scriptures in Matthew. Right. And to take that stance where my conscience controls can I, so I can decide whether I want to go to communion, that's inviting people into mortal sin because they're, they're receiving the blessed sacrament unworthy because they're in mortal sin. And, and to me, we have to be very careful when we start talking about how conscience can trump anything. Right. And what you're saying, uh, and and you know, there's an interpretation of what the Holy Father say. I, I, I do think w- what the what you're saying, obviously, what the Church teaches. I think what he's trying to communicate is we have a responsibility to form the conscience, which I love, is what solidarity offers through, you know, through the health sharing. Is that not only are you protecting, I guess, what I'm getting at, protecting people's conscience, but at the same time, you help inform people's conscience. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's what's so beautiful about what we're doing as a ministry of solidarity is because healthcare impacts everybody, you know, and so what a great place, what a great opportunity to evangelize the faithful, you know, and correctly form them on the, the right teaching on contraception, life issues, end-of-life issues, and so for us, it's a, it's a great, uh, great responsibility that we take very seriously, and I'll give you an example is uh, uh, Bishop Basha uh, wrote us a letter and basically commended us and called us a social enterprise for the church. 
And to me, that's the basic understanding of Catholic social teaching that Bishop Bosch has entrusted us at Solidarity HealthShare to follow the teaching of the church and to live that faith not only within solidarity, but to bring it to the whole world. And that's a great responsibility that we all have as, as, as the lay faithful. And so that's what's so uh, beautiful about what we're doing at Solidarity. Oh, so good. So good. Okay, so Brad, how, what's the best way for people to move forward uh, as, as they're listening to this? Uh, with solidarity. Yeah. If they want to learn more about the mechanics, how health sharing works and such like that, um, they can visit us online. We have some pretty good detailed information at um, solidarityhealthshare.org. That's um, solidarityhealthshare.org. But if you're like me and you just don't want to uh, read that, you can just pick up the phone and call somebody and ask all the questions you need to. Okay. And, and they'll explain how the process works, you know, um, and what the payment prices are like, I said that my family of four pays $449 per month now. That's and crazy. And they can call directly at, eight, at 844-313-4999. And that uh, phone number is also on our website. Awesome. SolidarityHealthShare.org. Brad, thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy. You're in D.C. Uh, pray for all those politicians there, man. <laughs> God needs to clean house. <laughs> yes, they do. Thank you, Paul. All right, bro. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Adam, you've been quiet over there, man. Just soaking it in. Soaking in the the interview. Like the sun. (laughs) Well, it's good to have you back. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sipping on caffeine this whole show. Yeah, you're you're kind of uh, in two dimensions at least. I think so. I think you're ha- not half asleep. That's not fair. Probably a quarter asleep. I am wearing a hat. But you then know why? why is that? Because I, I just didn't even have time to like do anything with my hair. I just put on a baseball cap. That's precious. Thank you. But the 75 percent of you that's awake, you're fired up. You know you're what I am. Roll. And Brad was good. Thanks for Brad for coming on. <laughs> Talking about fired up, he gets fired up about healthcare. He does, dude. Well, you know, some yeah. people when they find their mission in life, you could just tell. I love it. Brad is on it. Yeah, when your when your gift meets your mission, you really find purpose. Honestly, it's, it's called a gishin. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> you, but if you have to go to Capitol Hill and fight people, like you better be fired up. Yeah. Like you can't be like, well, I kind of think this. So like I'll tell my uh, you know, cousins about healthcare, but I'm not gonna talk to legislators in Washington about it. I would get <laughs> dude, they would they would roll over me, man. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, if you could go to Capitol Hill and fight for something and like get away with like you would be what would it be? Like where you would like not lose energy and you would be able to go toe to toe with someone. <sighs> Probably the life issue. If I had to, I mean if I had to pick one. Okay. Re- you know, let's put into law a respect for human life from conception till natural death yeah, for everybody. That would be like the one thing that I would, I would sign up for. Yeah. Other than that, it would probably be something stupid like, um, I don't know. I can't even think. 
just stupid things. But that's the only important thing I care about. <laughs> yeah, and I would connect that at least, obviously, with um, you know the the still issues in our in our country with equality. Like, yep. So I would connect that. I, I think I would go. I would go. Uh, I'd link link arms with you on that. Aww. That fight. So anyway, what'd you learn on the show today? I learned that you actually are not a Star Wars nerd, but a Star Wars fan, which are different. Yeah. And that's I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I And that I, you plan to see the movie. Absolutely. I enjoy it. That's awesome. What'd you learn? I learned that I had a baby. You didn't know that? <laughs> I woke up and I was like, whoa. <laughs> this is new. Baby in the house. <laughs> that's why I'm not sleeping. That's an important thing to know. Yeah, I did I did I did learn that. I and I learned that you're brave enough to take your five of your six kids to the movies. Yeah, I am taking five kids to That's a packed movie theater. Yeah, you're going on like the release day, dude. I like yeah. wait a week or two. I I am a, I'm this is the difference between you and I. Like I'm more of the introvert. I avoid the crowds. Yeah. You're like all about it, man. Well, like, because they're this. all about it, you know. And so dude, just get them a bunch of popcorn, sit down and have a party. Heck yeah. So anyway, how about uh six pack of questions? Question. All right, so question number one. You mentioned to Mr. Han that you've had several conversations about healthcare in just one week. What was the strangest conversation you had in the past seven days? The strangest conversation I've that you've had. had with a human being in the past seven day period. One where you're like, I can't even believe I'm talking about this right now. Uh, well, I had a fun. I've had a couple of fun. Well, anytime you're you're in a hospital having a baby, there's always strange conversations. You're right about that. So, so I won't go there on air. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I did a parish Advent parish mission this yep. week, and um, I met this cute old man that came up to me after and told me his name was Jerry. So Jerry, if you're listening, it was great meeting you. Um, and he. He um, told me that he just recently, recently, so he's, pro- I don't know how it is, but I would say maybe 80, okay? Uh, Jerry, if I'm wrong on that, man, if I went over on that, call me out. Um, he said he just found out that the root of his, his name comes from the root of Jeremiah. And he's like having this like kind of spiritual awakening of his name. And he's like old in That's the 80s. So cool. I was like, dude, that is really fascinating, <laughs> man. You've gone your whole life with the name Jerry. And you've just come to like this understanding of where it came from, and Jeremiah is such an amazing name and prophet in the Old Testament. Like, so anyway, that was sort of this random and cool conversation. Kudos to Jeremy. Yeah. Or Jerry? Jerry. 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 Kudos, Jerry. Kudos. All right, question number two. He talked about not accepting the status quo simply because it is what we do and have always done for a while but to think innovatively and creatively about the right thing to do. And that seems to be a common theme in the church, just about every level. So how do we actually go through that process of recognizing that tendency us to accept status quo and just not being, you know, resolving to not do that anymore? I, I don't know. Like I say this all the time, I think, and I was just talking about this in, in the the mission that I was doing is that I think the greatest sort of uh, one of the greatest issues that we have in the church today and even in our faith today is uh, mediocrity. 
Like we almost just settle for mediocrity in our faith and in our life, and God wants more for us. And I connect that with your question in a sense of like, I think a lot of times we just take what people tell us and just go with it. So, oh, here's what healthcare looks like. Okay, well, I'll just sign up to that. And you have no idea what you signed up for. Or, you know, here's here's your rights for this, or here's what you should just do. And, and we don't push the envelope and say, well, what, what, what's more out there or research it or get to it. And a lot of times, like if we don't just accept things as status quo or what they are, like on the other end of it might be a lot more than what we think. Uh, and I say that in a lot more of a blessing or, or, uh, you know, a gift behind it. And so I, I would say just don't settle mm-hmm. for mediocrity. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, question number three. You guys talked about conscious formation a little bit, like forming a conscience. Yeah. So what does that look like exactly? Like how do, how do we participate in conscious formation? Well, I mean, we're, we're, uh, we're born with a conscience. You know, our soul, um, we're body, soul, we're emotion, but God has put a conscience in there. So we, we, can, we can even say, in a sense, like say someone's born in the middle of nowhere and they've never gone to church or had Catholic formation, um, they would still have a conscience of, in the natural order, natural law of right or wrong, you know, in a sense, might not fully be formed in their conscience, but they would certainly know that, you know, killing a person would be wrong, even if they've, no one's ever told them that. Like this, like we're, we're not made to, to uh, just dab into evil or, or you know, we, we know good and bad. We know beauty. We know what's ugly. We, you know, like our conscience begins to naturally tell us that. And so the form conscious, what Brad was talking about is, you know, in, you know, and even tied into our earlier conversation about mentorship, but our, our conscience are formed through good conversation, through learning, through uh, the, the church has spent its, its whole history on forming people's conscience in truth mm-hmm. so that we can make well-informed decisions. Our conscience is well-informed on the decisions that we need to make. And so what he was talking about the Holy Father, I think there's been some misinterpretation. Like, the Holy Father's not just saying, like, we should just accept people's just random conscience. He's just saying that that we should meet people in their conscience. At least that's how I'm reading it. Mm. That, uh, you know, the Holy Father's talking about the conscience. He's not just saying, like, people should just form their own conscience. I don't think, I don't think that's what he's saying. Um, I think what he's saying is that we, we, you know, as we're talking about how many Catholics no longer attend church and are falling away, they don't have a full understanding of the truth or the faith. We should meet people in their conscience, like where they're thinking, where they're unformed, and then bring them forward from there, right? Mm. So I remember as a young person going up to a mentor of mine being like, um, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that I don't think what the church teaches here is true. And he's, why not? And we talked about it. And as he talked it out, it began to form my conscience and change the way I thought because it was like, oh, okay, now I get it. You're helping to form my conscience in something that I wasn't formed in, that I just made a decision was right or wrong, but I was wrong the whole time. Hmm. He met me in my conscience and brought me forward. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't leave me there and he didn't say, well, you're just wrong. Go figure it out. And he didn't say, you're wrong, just live that way. He said, well, let's talk about it. All right, well, then there's an improvised question number four. Fo, what was that issue? 
Okay, so I was a young person. I didn't. I didn't think. I thought it was left. I didn't. No, I never read this, or I mm -hmm. never. You know, so like my background, yours, uh, as an unchurched person growing up, um, I thought it was left up to the individual whether or not that they wanted to be sexually active before they got married. Mm -hmm. Like, why would the church need to be, you know, or the, what does it matter? Or yeah. scripture even talk about? It. I never, I never even knew it talked about it, right? Mm -hmm. And and then the conversation led to like, well, well, you know, well, here's what. Here's what the church said. Here's what scripture says. And I mean, to read about it and it just begin to make sense. Like the truth of the gospel met me in my confusion of my conscience and it enlightened um, the darkness that I didn't know. Like, so truth wins, like you say, mm -hmm. like you were saying earlier, truth wins when, when our, when our hearts and our minds are open to, to it. And that's what happened. It wasn't like I even had to wrestle with it. It was like, oh yeah, well that makes that makes complete and total sense. It might be a hard teaching when I fully want to do it, but it makes complete sense when the truth rises, the light shines. Right on. All right, well, question number five. Yeah, he was talking about you know hanging out in D.C. with all these like important legislator people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually comfortable about around a large number of people or types of people because that's my personality yeah. but i could see myself being intimidated in that situation what about you if you're in a room full of these legislators and all that fake it till how you would make you behave it. i <laughs> would you talk would you not talk yeah i can fake it till i make it <laughs> i can walk into a room of people like that and like shake hands and and do it really yeah yeah but i would be exhausted and uh <laughs> I would just, you wouldn't be relaxed i would fake it till i made it <laughs> I would fake it till I made it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. All right. Question number six. What is the most surprising thing about your new baby? Oh. You haven't had one in 10 years. I'm, oh, it's um, it's the, the smell, that new baby smell. and that the, forgot the about little, that. The little noises that they make. Not the crying. <laughs> uh, but those little, little noises mm -hmm. that they make and the smell. And it's just, oh, I want to go. Do, 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 do. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, questions. great show today, man. People can find the show on the podcast, paulgeorge.la. Um, you get it on iTunes, Google Play, um, SoundCloud, all over the place. You can share it with other people. You can binge listen. You can do all those things. So thanks for listening. Thanks to Brad Hahn for coming on. And thank you, Adam Conk. Enjoy the movie. I will. All right. We'll be back. God bless.